Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Audrey, and I'm your host. A woman is unstoppable after she realizes she deserves better. This is one of the quotes you guys have liked the most on our Instagram, and it's actually one of the reasons we're starting this podcast. We think that you deserve better. There is not enough positive conversation about divorced women and single moms, and a lot of the conversation isn't uplifting or productive. That's why Worthy's approach is to talk about this stage of life as a moment where you can embrace a fresh start and build the life that you've always wanted for yourself. So when we decided to start this podcast, we knew that our first guest had to be Emma Johnson. You might know her from her website, Wealthy Single Mommy, or her wonderful book, The Kick-Ass Single Mom, which is all about your love life, parenting, and getting your career where you want it after divorce. We love the way that she talks about divorce and life after divorce, and we love her. We've been working together for a long time, so it was a total no-brainer that she should be our first guest. Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle is a weekly podcast, so make sure you subscribe to keep up with new episodes we're curating to help empower and uplift you as you embrace your fresh start. This podcast is for you, so reach out to us at podcastatworthy.com to let us know what you think and what kinds of things you want to hear. You can also get more at worthy.com podcast. We're going to take a quick break and then we will be right back with Emma. When you sell a piece of jewelry, you can't control how much it's worth, but you can make sure that you're selling smart with a team of experts and advocates behind you at Worthy. Your engagement ring can be a financial asset that allows you to embrace a new and fulfilling life after divorce. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com slash podcast to learn more. I think that there's a bit of a stigma in the United States surrounding divorced women and single moms. And we can work together to kind of fight that. And Emma does a better job of that than anyone I know. So Emma, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Audrey. Of course, we're so excited you're here. I am hoping that you can start by telling us a little bit about the beginning of Wealthy Single Mommy, what you do, and and where our our listeners might know you from. Sure. Uh, well, I've been a, a financial journalist my whole career, and I did. I went through a divorce about well ten years ago now. Wow. My son just had his birthday, so that's like my marker. And I, you know, I was raised by a single mom from a divorced family and it was, for me, it was very negative. You know, there was a lot, I felt a lot of social stigma, which I think really came from my family and not so much as the world at large. I think this was like very much a case of something that was internally bred um, and not externally inflicted on me and us. Um, But my mom really struggled financially, I think romantically, and I think there's a lot of shame around the idea that she was a single mom. And this was a different time. This was in the 80s and then I guess the 90s as we grew up. And I, as all kids do, we want to do better than our parents. And for me, that part of that story was I was going to be a married mom. Like that was the success story. I was going to be a married mom, married to a nice guy. I wasn't going to be broke. We weren't going to have the shame of being a single parent household. And I, I did that. And I was a married mom to a nice guy that wasn't broke for like one year. Like I achieved the the dream (laughs) for one year and it was, it was nice. You know, I, I picked a really good husband, a good father for my kids 
And then unfortunately, there was a lot of um, tragedy in my family. My husband had an accident and a brain injury and our family destabilized and it led to the end of our marriage not too long after that. And by that time, I was pregnant again and I was on my own. And uh, the big part of the story was that I was financially dependent on him. I had scaled my freelance writing business way back. You know, he and I just kind of blindly assumed that I would be the stay-at-home mom. He earned more. He had a corporate job with benefits. And that was just the presumption. He also came from a divorced single-parent family. And we both wanted the same thing. And it just seemed like a very prescribed recipe for success and happiness until life happens. And in my case, life happened in a really bad and ugly way. And I just very early on, I mean, despite I had all those fears, every now fast forward, you know, 10 years, and I have this big business serving single moms. And I know that my fears were every separating single mom's nightmares. And I really I had my baby, well, first I was pregnant, single mom, and then I was a divorced single mom. And I'd be like, have my babies with me in bed and I would think, oh my God, okay, we're going to be living out of my old red Subaru. Like that's just how it's going to be because there's no money. And I, it wasn't like a funny thing that I like was being unreasonable and hysterical. It Mm -hmm. was like, there was no money and I had to take care of them and there wasn't any other money there. My ex-husband's, he made good money, but his career was destabilizing and I don't have the only money. And it was just like, that's going to be the route. But for me, it wasn't because frankly, I'm a rich white privileged woman. And even though there wasn't money in the bank account, I had lots of resources. So I had my education and I had a resume and I had network and I knew I had made money before and I just figured that I'm just going to make it again. And I did. And I kind of like overshot because I like started making a lot of money. Like I made more money than my husband. And before that, I assumed that was not possible because I told myself that, right? That became my truth and it manifested itself. And I just made a lot of money. And so that was for a couple of years. I was still freelance writing. And then I started this blog. It was just sort of like, if you're a writer, you had a blog. It wasn't like a big master uh, business plan. It was more of a personal project. Do you remember the moment where you decided to pursue this blog and you kind of identified the idea that you had something that other women would want to listen to? Sure. I mean, it was really like, I, I think at that time I was really coming into my own as a woman, Mm -hmm. right? I was a, a new mom, a young mom, and I really enjoyed motherhood. And eventually I started dating and I really enjoyed dating at that phase of my life. And then I was really excited about business and then what's going on in the macro world, like women in, in business and money and politics and gender politics. This is all of what we're talking about right now. Like this is the moment. And I have this little niche idea. So I was having these really fascinating conversations with all my girlfriends and my, and a lot of my friends come from my business world. And I was like, you know, all these questions, like how do you date when you are a mom with and you make good money? Like how does that play out? Or how do you um, balance all this pressure to have spend so much time with our kids when we also have to be building businesses and we enjoy building those? You know, all of these things where there was no answers because this is really unprecedented what we're doing in history. Anyone was talking about this. Like if I wanted to find some content on single motherhood, it was like this really cheesy, poorly written crap out there. Or it was targeting at a different demographic that was Mm -hmm. not me. It was a poor demographic. And 
and that was serving a, a, a population, but it wasn't speaking to me. So I was like, well, I have an obligation to create that because P.S. I'm a writer. So that's what I do. <laughs> and so I did. And it just really coincided with like a personal journey for me, which I had a real creative burst and creative writing and, and also, you know, everything that was going on in my life kind of came out on this blog and it was just immediately resonated. I think that your story and the way that you have taken control of this narrative is just really inspiring for so many people. I mean, we see how our audience responds to it. We're also inspired by the story. Um, one of the quotes that we see that worthy women love the most is, I am not what has happened to me. I am what I choose to become. This is so powerful because it really underscores this idea that while you might have had some hardships, they don't define you and you get to plan the rest of your story and you are in control of your destiny. And Emma, you are such a good example of this. And I want to know how you relate to that quote. You know, I I hate to be always baking on my mom because, like, I have two brothers and they're, like, great guys and they've got great wives and families and I, like, think I'm a good person. And my mom, like, she, you know, she really, like, she cooked us home-cooked meals. She made sure that we had sports and music lessons and took trips, even though she didn't have a lot of financial resources. Like, she really did give us a really, really nice life. And But there was, like, a lot of what I've done in my life that's, like, she's, like, I want to do different than her. And uh-huh. one of them is like, I really felt she was just angry about her divorce and her ex-husband in a way that I did not want to be. I just saw how it, she carried it with her for decades and decades and decades and how that tore at her at different yeah. and all sorts of parts of her lives. And I just remember when I was going through my crisis and I believe that even in the best situations where people are very civilized, they leave their uh, marriages as friends and great co-parents and everybody is an adult about it. It's still a trauma. It's still a loss. You thought your sure. life was going to be one way. You thought your relationship was one thing and it's turning out to be completely different and it's affecting every vertical of your life. It's always a trauma. And I don't ever pretend like my trauma was worse than your trauma, but I will just say that I went through it. It was horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible. And I like kind of kept my shit together all day long, <laughs> taking care of my baby and, and my, uh, my business. And I like, there was a lot of people around I kept it together and I would put makeup on every morning and then I put my daughter to bed and I go in my room and I would ball my eyes out like usually I was laying on the floor because I try to like do a little yoga every evening and I was just like ugly ugly sobbing letting it out and I just would pray and pray and pray and pray and I think it's my way when I get super upset what I just start talking and what crap comes out of my mouth is my truth and my prayer was always please let me get through this without being angry Like I was angry. I had lots of anger and rage, you know, and I'm still working through some of it. Like I'm human, you know, but I'm like, please let me get through this with love and have love for my ex-husband and understand this. Like help me get through this without being bitter. That was like my mantra, one of my mantras. And, and I like to think that that was it. Sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. Sometimes you're really bitter. I think that you... You were able to identify that moment. You know, we hear from so many people about that moment when they're crying on the floor. That's something so many people talk about, that terrible moment and how hard it is to get back up. I mean, what do you attribute that to? Because I think there's a lot in society that makes it more challenging for women to feel like they have the ability or even the right to be pursuing their dreams. And Mm, you were able to channel that, right? I mean... What makes you I feel think confident? It's like, you, like I never fit in, you know, like I, 
there's a reason I work at home alone. Like I'm talking to you from my home office in my bedroom right now. And there's a reason that I have worked in social isolation for 15 years. <laughs> it's just is part of who I am. Like I've always been like my first career was as like a reporter and a journalist and journalists mm-hmm. are always on the outside, right? You always are the skeptical yeah. outsider that's critical of the status quo. That's your paid job. And what I do now has very much to do with that. And it's very true to who I am as just a person in my personal life, too, which is like, yeah, so I'm supposed to be this broke single mom. But like, why? Let's really pick that apart. I have like every freaking privilege in the world. I could cry you a river about my poor single mom, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? Look at me. I'm like, I have every white privilege. I grew up in a safe country at a time of prosperity. Mm-hmm. I have edu- I had a good education. It's not fancy Ivy League school. I went to a state school in the Midwest. Does not matter. Like I have, I am more privileged, like one percent of the world in the history of time and women ever. Yeah. Point zero 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 one percent. And I think also a big part of my just spiritual practice and personal is gratitude. And if you take stock and really, really take stock of all of your blessings, you don't have any excuse but to succeed. I don't I don't care what hardships you've had in life. That's part of being a human. If you are listening to this podcast in the Western world, you have so much to be grateful for. And it takes away, again, all those excuses not to succeed. That is so true. I mean, it can be so hard when you're feeling pain and you're going through a hard time to identify the reasons that you have to be grateful. And I think that's one of the things that make women so strong and so amazing. And I think that this narrative that you just shared is such a good example of that. And I I hope that some of our listeners will be able to identify with that. And we all have opportunities and we all have the ability to make things a little bit better for ourselves. So when we're in that tough, dark moment on the floor, we can pick ourselves up and and we have the stuff in us that's going to take us to the next level. And you're such a good example of that. Yeah, you know, but it's also like, I I think it's like, you are going to be angry, like you have to Mm -hmm. honor that anger, but like, can you funnel into something good? So I just had a memory of, um, I live in this co-op building in New York and Queens, and um, it's a really special place. It's a really beautiful building, and it's very neighborly, which you don't find, I don't think, any very many places in the world, much less in New York, and it's just really wonderful. And so when my family went through this really bad time, they were just great. Like People brought by food, and they offered to babysit, and they were just like That's came amazing. and visited, like old-fashioned visiting that people don't do anymore. It was really great. And one of – an older woman – well, let's say she was in her 60-ish, and she was friendly. You know, She was like part of that network, but she – I remember – this was a couple years after my divorce, and I went – I had a breakup with my first boyfriend, and it was so painful. It was so, so painful, which is very – that's a whole other topic, but – FYI, ladies, if you're listening to this and your first breakup hurts, like, holy hell, that is a very normal thing. And I have a whole – it took me a long time to figure out why, but I I figured it out. But anyways, I was going through that. And it was, like, even more painful than my divorce, which, again, very common. And I was just a mess. And I was in the elevator with my kids and this little tiny elevator, you know. And so this lady and I are eye level. I crammed in this elevator with a stroller and everything. And she's like, oh, you broke up your boyfriend. That's too bad. It's going to be so hard for you to find somebody else. And I just, and this is like my friend, you know, and this is not like me, but I just let it go. I go, you know what? Fuck you. And I walked out. <laughs> and I think that that <laughs> is like, 
It was. A lot of it was like, you can't tell me I'm going to be broke. Fuck you. You can't tell me I'm going to be lonely. Fuck you. You can't tell me my kids are going to be messed up. Fuck you. And it was like, I was just going to prove everybody wrong. Absolutely. And and sometimes, you know, there is a place for anger. Like anger can be the fuel that gets you to the next level. You just don't want to be the thing that keeps you on the floor. And in your case, obviously, that's not what happened. Right. Or it just keeps you like keeps you going like for decades. Like you've got to make a choice. You have a choice Absolutely. to let it go. Yeah, you, you do. You get to choose what you become. So one of the things that I want to talk about is the amazing book that you wrote, Kick-Ass Single Mom. We love this hot, pink, sexy book about single motherhood where you talk about career, dating, all of the different parts of parenting that go into being a single mom. And it's really great. And you can go to worthy.com slash podcast to see how you can get your copy. But Emma, we talked about an excerpt that we wanted to share. So here I'm talking in this part of the book, I'm talking about, I I went to family court and I filed for child support and it was a low and I had just had my baby son who's my second and I had a C-section and it's funny that you're having me remember this um, because I, well, I didn't have a car. So uh, my friend Carmela had to drive me and it's funny, she just passed away this past week. So it's, I kind of forgot about this memory, even though it's in the book. And so I couldn't carry him because I had, you know, a C-section and didn't have a car. So my friend came with me and I expected to be there all day because that's how family court goes. And I brought like all these peanut butter sandwiches and water because I was nursing and I was like, I was just starving all the time. I could not eat enough. So um, this is what I remember from that moment. In that waiting room, I looked around me. The women were both familiar and alien. We were all mothers, all of us wanting, needing to care for our babies, navigating the impersonal and antiquated court system in an effort to do so. All of us were up against men who earned money that they were not spending on their children. All of us scared, all of us broke. Yet I did not fit in there. Yes, I could barely make ends meet. Yes, I was terrified for myself and my babies, but this was not my future. I decided. I decided that I had blessings and gifts that other women in this world do not. I have an education. I have a Rolodex, contacts, a resume, and a reputation. I have social skills and professional skills that can be leveraged. I had an obligation not to be in that courthouse seeking services and money, no matter how legally or morally my kids and I were entitled to that support. Because I could earn, I felt like I should earn. And if I was going to earn, why not earn a lot? I would not give up on my ex's recovery. I could still see glimmers of my old husband, the one who could be reasonable and incredibly thoughtful, who was indeed committed to his family and was an adoring, playful dad. But I could not wait either for a version of that man that I could depend on. I had to take care of all of us by myself now. This is such a powerful part of the book. And I think so many people can just totally relate to that feeling of how did I get here and why am I here? And I think it's just so amazing how you were able to identify in that moment that you didn't need to be there and that you could get yourself out. 
And, you know, we talked a little bit before about anger and where that fit into it. But to me, this is such a compassionate moment. I mean, you're compassionate for your ex, you're compassionate for yourself, and you're you're mostly compassionate for your children, I think. I mean, you're there with them. It's this tough moment. And it's kind of a moment of survival, too. But for a lot of people, you know, that's a, a very relatable moment. And it's the beginning of this book. It's it's not the end of your story. Right. I think that's interesting that compassion for our exes, you know, they are people too. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially when, you know, your, your guy is not stepping up, you know, he's not financially stepping up. He's not seeing the kids. And also not being it's, a partner to you. I mean, you just, well, there's that. I mean, yeah. But longer term, like that's a given, like he's done, <laughs> like that part of the, the engagement is done, but he's, you guys are still parents together. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard not to be really, really angry. And I still go there, you know, I mm-hmm. do, but I try to remind myself that if he is not being the best dad that I know he can be, it's because he's hurting. Mm-hmm. And ultimately the most awesome thing that we can do as people, as parents is to have the pride of knowing that we did our best yeah, and we're there and that we are confident that our children see that or hopeful at least that they can see that and will grow up to appreciate us. And if, you know, they're not, then there, that there's something else, you know, like there's something going on and it's very easy to dismiss them as just like narcissistic jerks. But there's some kind of suffering going on there that prevents them from stepping up. And I try to be mindful of that, though I don't always succeed. Well, I think one thing that you definitely do succeed at is being an amazing role model for your daughter, especially, but for both of your kids. I mean, we were able to to be together for your book launch party, which was a really special event on the rooftop of our offices. And I, my favorite part of the whole night, which was an amazing night, by the way, I mean, catered, it was a great party, the New York Times was there. But my favorite part of the night was seeing your kids watch you have this moment. And I think for a lot of moms who are listening, I I mean, I want to ask on their behalf, being a mother and knowing that there's these eyes on you, I mean, what role does that play in what you're producing and what you're doing? You know, I realize, so like I said, I've always been a writer and uh, I've always enjoyed my work and I've done all kinds of stuff. And for a lot of years when I was, I considered myself a freelance writer. So I had clients and some of them were like big name publications, like, you know, like I wrote for the times and glamour magazine and men's health, all these, you know, really exciting places. And then I did a lot of corporate writing too, or like stuff that was maybe not as, as exciting, but I actually enjoyed it. I worked with cool people Mm -hmm. and always learned good stuff. Like I really loved the part about where like making money, but I wasn't necessarily like changing the world. Right. And when my kids, my daughter is the older and she, when she, she's just very precocious and <laughs> really creative. And when she was very young, I, maybe I'm projecting, but I saw in her an artist and I was like, she is going to grow up to be an actor or a playwright or writer. Like, of course I think she's going to be a writer cause I'm a writer, but, and that's like my paradigm and I want. I'm putting all of my stuff on her, but um, that's healthy. That's she, I was like, she's going to be totally unhealthy, <laughs> but I'm doing it. I own it. I'm working on it. Um, but I was like, she's going to be a writer. And I was like, okay, is she, um, she going to grow up to be proud of me when she becomes like a Pulitzer prize or oh. Booker prize winning writer? Is she going to be proud of my work? 
And that really inspires me. I was like, am I using my skills? Like I have these skills that include writing. I have other skills. Like I'm good at marketing. I'm good at messaging, connecting with people. I feel like I am figuring out social change through my work, all of these other things. Mm -hmm. And you know, all of that, am I using that to my greater good? And I didn't, I decided I wasn't. And that, that's really part of me focusing on my blog, Wealthy Single Mommy, which, you know, it's my podcast, like a mother of the book, all this media, public speaking. Um, you know, it was like, I really, it was again, taking stock of my blessings. And those include skills that mm -hmm. I, some of them I worked very hard to develop. And some of them I just was lucky to get too. Mm -hmm. Well, I think they're super, super lucky to have you as a mom to look up to. And I can I'll promise tell them you, you said that. <laughs> I can promise you that they're proud. I saw it and I felt it. It was very, very sweet. So we're going to take a quick break right now. And then we're going to be back with Emma Johnson. And we're going to talk about dating. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. Worthy provides the smart solution for women looking to safely elevate their rings from dusty relics of hard times to financial assets to help you embrace your fresh start. Worthy covers the cost of insurance, shipping, grading, and more. So if you're going to sell, sell smart with Worthy. Go to worthy.com podcast to get started. We're ready when you are. Okay, we are back with Emma Johnson. And a little bit earlier in the podcast, you mentioned getting back out there and dating. And I have so many questions about dating after divorce and relationships after divorce. So why don't you tell us a little bit what it was like getting back out there in the beginning and that first kind of step out the door again? Well, I was like, so checked out of my sexuality like after all this crap of my the rest other parts of my life like I just it wasn't even like a lot of women are like I am not dating for four years and they've got all these edicts about it and I wasn't like that I just was like so it was just the last thing on my mind and then it was probably about a year after my separation divorce and um some good friends of mine were like you are going on a date we're gonna set you up with somebody and it oh, wasn't even like friends. you know we know the perfect person for you it was just like look you need to go out we know mm -hmm. a lot of people we'll set you up and so they set me up on a couple of dates and at first i was like i didn't see it coming i mean it was almost like i'd never heard of dating before <laughs> because i was so just not like part of my thinking or my body or anything and so I was like, what? <laughs> and, and I did. I went on these dates. And it was great because it was like they were nice people that I was not interested in at all. <laughs> <laughs> but they were like, you know, they were, it wasn't like my friends were – like they were totally like, in my demo. Maybe it's like, like they were the, the kiddie pool before going in the deep end. <laughs> Well, like they were sensible partners. Like uh -huh. they were like attractive, successful, charming people. Like they could have been for me, but they just weren't. Like they were people I probably would have set up with my friends. They just wasn't, in, you know, so that was really good. And it just really like jarred me into remembering that I'm a sexual adult woman. And that was like, you know, I don't know. It probably was six or eight months after I went on a couple of dates. Like I just was kind of like, oh. And then I – um you know what it was? My kids started spending the night with their dad. Like they didn't for that mm -hmm. first year, year and a half. They would just visit with him. And all of a sudden I had some time on my hands and I was, I just started recognizing how lonely I was. Like 
deeply, deeply lonely. And so I went mm-hmm. online and I just really had started a, a full on relationship with somebody um, that lasted about a year. And that was really important for me. It was like very sexually intense experience. And I have found that that like, that was also extremely painful when it ended. Mm-hmm. And he was with also a recently divorced person. And I found that that experience is very common, like super duper sexually intense, and then very, very, very painful when it ends. And then when I licked my wounds from that, I just dated like a maniac for like, oh gosh, maybe five years, like bananas. Like I'd have a different day. Every Saturday night when my kids with her dad, man, I would just dial up. I just yeah. order. It's like ordering seamless. Just go on. Okay. <laughs> keep it in your city and get a cute date to take you out for Mexican food. It was just like, bam, 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 bam. And sometimes I date somebody for a bunch of months or whatever. And, and that would fizzle out or whatever. And then I, um, travel in the summer my kids go to Greece with their dad so I had like this lover in Denmark and that was really fabulous but I would have stuff going on here (laughs) so I was just like loving life like I love my romantic life um and then over the last year and change I've had a really wonderful boyfriend just like monogamous all-american man like (laughs) totally appropriate for me like really involved in my family and and that's been super wonderful too so okay One of the things that I don't think people are talking enough about when, you know, we see all these different people writing about dating after divorce, you can find tips online. But I want to know if you had two different experiences when it came to dating after divorce and love after divorce. If you experienced them as part of the same challenge or did you think about them separately? Is it the same anxieties? Well, so I think when I first started, I assumed like, oh, I'm dating to find another husband because like, that's really the only paradigm in our world. Mm -hmm. Like, why else would you date except to find like Ward Cleaver? (laughs) And like, it's just such an unimaginative way. I mean, that might be for you, but like, why don't you think about that for a second? You know, why don't, why? Like in my case, I already had my kids, so I didn't need, I had my own money. Right. You don't need a hero. Like you're this remarkable woman who doesn't need to find a male counterpart to complete her story. You have this amazing story that you've written and there's room in that story for a male partner. But it's not that that prototype husband that you're describing. Right. Yeah. And it can be, you know, it's, mm-hmm. but it's like for women that are, especially you're starting this journey or maybe you're, you're deep in it and you're, you know, frustrated or heartbroken. It's like, just chill out, just enjoy the journey. Like me, my journey included lots of casual sex. Maybe that's not for you, right? Like maybe you are like, it can just look like all kinds of things. Like maybe you have this idea on your mind who the guy is. Well, mm-hmm. open your mind up. To yeah. who that guy is. Maybe he's a younger guy. Maybe he's a different race. Maybe, you know, like just be open. And the beauty right. of the moment that we're living in is like socially, this is way more, depending on where you live, but it's way more acceptable than it's ever been before. Right. We have Tinder. You can find whatever weirdo you want to experiment <laughs> with. That is easy. That's the easy part of it. And, and it's just like, just go for the ride and see what, because just because like you grew up thinking you wanted to be like in this princess fantasy doesn't mean that that is what's going to make you fulfilled. And I am still figuring this out myself. Like I, my, I my boyfriend um, lived in my neighborhood, but he just moved to Kentucky where he's from recently. And he'll probably be there for a year and a half or two years. And it's sad and all that jazz, but it's like, 
well, one, like, whatever. Like, we're old people. Like, we've both been through so much <laughs> shit. Like, you want to tell me that, like, only seeing my boyfriend once a month is a, a big deal? It's not. Like, there's way harder things in life. But also, I know, and I've learned this over the years, I need a lot of time alone. Yeah. So, like, he was basically, he does, we didn't live together, but he was over here all the time. And mm-hmm. he's crazy. Tidy, like, cleans up. He helps cook. Like, he's great with my kids. Like, I have no, no, no complaints about cohabiting with him, except that I don't want to cohabit. Like, yeah. and I had to learn that about myself and I would not have been able to discover that if I had not gone on this journey. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that you were saying before about you expect certain things out of your life and you find yourself divorced and it's not what you expected. And that's kind of the starting point. And so we know that you, you live your life and, and you don't get to pick how everything goes. And so maybe you think, you know, exactly who you're looking for, but exactly what you were saying about opening yourself up to to meeting different kinds of people and experiencing new things and and not trying to fit things into to a box that you've decided is where your life belongs and and beautiful things can happen when you open yourself up to that I know I mean I just know women like one in particular comes to mind and it's like she was just so like just she needs a man and she's found herself literally in a physically abusive relationship with like an unemployed racist oh, alcoholic that's terrible. and she's like a very accomplished person and she's like well at least I have a man and you oh. don't and I'm like well yeah but like he's a horrible human being yeah. and your children see that every day so oh, I no. actually win <laughs> so that's it's terrible. but it's that pressure that's both external yeah. and internal um and it's it's tough and again it takes stepping outside it takes some bravery and it takes a lot of fuck you to the world you know I come from a progressive family that's usually pretty supportive of whatever I'm up to I live in New York City like but people in America that are listening to this I get it like I'm from a small town like maybe you live in a religious community where there's so much pressure to be partnered and have that little nuclear June Cleaver thing going on that you know it's hard that is really hard for women And if you don't think that you've got it in you to be able to tell yourself that the way that Emma does, you can buy Emma's book and she can tell you. (laughs) I will tell you. And find community. The thing is, we live in this time of unbelievable technology. So like Worthy has a community online. Mm -hmm. I have this great Facebook group called Millionaire Single Moms. There's 12,000 women in there and we have a 90% engagement rate and it is all women all economic levels, all incomes, mm-hmm. but we all get it. Like we all believe in making money. We all believe women. We like, adhere to this. Like the mission yeah. of the group, you can be sexually free in whatever way you want. You're not committed to finding a partner. Right. Like, right. There are those people out there, even if they're not in your town. I think this is one of my favorite things that I read. I don't know if this was in your book or one of your posts that I've read, but one of the things that I've really put into my life is that, you know, you are the company that you keep. So you have to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people who are challenging you to be your best self. And it's exactly what you said. I mean, we're living in a time where you can you can read, you can engage with people online and and you're not as limited to where you live as you maybe once would have been. And mm, I really, so really recommend Emma's voice and her book and and her Facebook group and, of course, the Worthy blog and all of our channels. But, you know, there there are good influences out there. If, if you're hearing this and it feels a little bit beyond what you're able to provide for yourself, you're not alone. And there are communities that want to support you and help you live your best life, too. So, Emma, I have a couple of questions left and then we're going to have to let you go. 
one of the things that we love to talk about at Worthy is how single moms just seem to be doing the most. So I want to know one thing that you're proud of and one thing that you're working on right now. I'm really proud. Again, this takes like some, this is hard for me because I am proud that I give my kids as much freedom and, and shoving them towards independence, um, which is hard to do in a culture that really prizes helicoptering the heck out of our kids. Mm-hmm. And they are independent. Like I, you know, I, and I live in New York, right? So we don't have like a fenced yard where they can go play. We live in an apartment building with no zero outside space. And I'm like, all right, you guys are walking to the bus stop. You guys here, here's some money. Go to the bakery down the block. You know, I don't feel like getting croissants this morning. So you get your, your narrow butt out there. You bring out, bring out home. Um, and just thinking for themselves, you know, we talk about politics a lot, but I encourage them to, you know, not just mimic me, but develop their own mm-hmm. opinions or at least be able to defend their opinions, even if they are mimicking me, which is, let's face it, the case. But, um, <laughs> So I'm, I am proud of that. And they're super cool people. They're really funny yeah. and bright. And I'm, I'm proud of that. And the thing that I struggle with, you know, I think I would like to be doing more. And I'm that's like, that's I a crazy thing for me. So but <laughs> I do it's so really much. not about like working more hours, you know, okay. I don't. I, so a new thing in my business is um, been hiring a lot of people. And it's been a new challenge because I don't have mm-hmm. experience managing people. I always had a designer and stuff, but like I have a personal assistant now and she is amazing. It's like this total godsend. Um, but it's a process for me to learn how to manage her. So I'm in the middle of it and I just am thinking of all this other stuff I want to produce. And it's great because I'm learning how to outsource all the stuff that I'm really overqualified for that she is very, very good at. So, you know, it's about trying to do more with less, I guess, or Try to get more done without, like, right. you know, more hours, just more like always be focusing on like what what's going to move the needle, like what's going to be more politically impactful, what's going to be more joyful for me and just focusing all of my time and energy on that and then outsourcing the rest. We are so lucky to have you working on that because your influence is so positive for this community of women. And my last question is, I think that you do so much to help inspire focus and confidence in women and I'm wondering what you think we can all do to help inspire that same focus and confidence in each other well I really do believe that by you listener you going out and living your fullest life ask for the damn raise start the business Go on the date. Stop feeling guilty about not spending more time with your kids because studies show it does not matter how many hours you spend with your kids. That's a fact. But what does matter is your kids seeing you thriving, your kids being financially secure, you being financially secure. And that, by osmosis, inspires other women. By you living your fullest life, it gives women permission to do the same. The pie is infinite. Women have this thing, and the studies are finding, especially younger women, which is heartbreaking, but there's a sense, in a way, it's like a, it's a sense of community and loyalty to each other, but there's a sense that there's only so much. So there's this fear that if I go mm-hmm. get asked for a raise, then that means that my beloved female colleague won't get a raise, or she's not going to get as much. That's not true. The pie is infinite. The economy is infinite. 
right? We all, when you go and succeed, you are giving other women permission to go and succeed and you're growing the economy and you're creating other opportunities for other people that deserve it. That is a perfect note to end on. I know that we're all going to continue to enjoy that pie together. And I'm so, so glad that you were our first guest. I can't think of a better way to kick off this podcast. And, you know, we just love you so much at Worthy. We just <laughs> You guys have been such a beautiful partner to a wealthy single mommy and me personally. I mean, people, I don't know if they get this, but we all become personal friends, both right. in the New York and the Tel Aviv offices. And it's, it's really has been a love fest. So I very much appreciate you guys, too. Well, we miss you. And we're so glad that we got to connect now. And you should go to worthy.com slash podcast to get all of the links to Emma's social channels and to find out more about her book. We'll even give a couple away because we think it's like your new Bible if you're a single mom. So thank you again, Emma. And hopefully we'll have you back soon to talk about that uh, breakup that you figured out. The breakup. Ah! Uh, (laughs) Talk about ugly crying. That was the worst. Thanks again to Emma Johnson for joining us and to all of you for listening. Next week, we are so excited to be joined by Laura Lifshitz, who will be talking about dating, love, and more after divorce. Make sure that you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle in your feed weekly. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy, dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. Worthy is an online auction platform designed to help you sell valuable items like an engagement ring or a wedding set. When you decide to send your ring in, we pay for the shipping and insurance to ensure that it arrives safely to our New York office. Once we receive the ring, we have it professionally graded and photographed, which helps it sell competitively in our buyer network. One of the best parts of working with Worthy is that you get to set the minimum on your item. After the grading, our gemologists will give you a recommended selling minimum, but at the end of the day, you get to decide how little you're willing to sell the ring for. If the highest bid comes in below that threshold and you decide not to accept it, We'll send you your ring back and we'll even cover the costs of the insured shipping again. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Are you ready to embrace your fresh start? Us too. Go to worthy.com slash podcast to learn more.